Good Friday, Firebug listeners. I am so excited. I have two big announcements today that I want to talk about. Um, the first one being that I'm starting a new series called Ask Firebug Fridays, and this is actually the first episode. Um, so what it basically is, uh, is I get a whole bunch of questions. The Australian fire community has just you know exploded this year, and it just continues to grow and grow, and it's awesome, and I love it. Um, but I do get a lot of questions from you guys out there, um, which is great. I, I keep, please, uh, keep submitting those questions. But what started to be a few questions a week has turned into a few questions a day. And I'm spending like over 10 hours a week responding to all you guys. And I thought this is a lot of content that never makes it to the blog or the podcast. So, um, I added in a tick box last week that basically said that, um, if you submit a question, you're giving me, um, permission to um, publish it on the site or in any media or anything like that. Um, so basically the idea is, uh, the questions that I think are good and the audience is going to get some value out of, I'm going to respond to them on every Friday and I'll do a write up on the blog as well. So you can read it if you want. Um, so yeah, that is happening every Friday. I'll be releasing a new Ask Firebug Friday set, Friday, um, not really a podcast, but just a, an episode. Um, and also a post online. So that's the first exciting announcement. And the second exciting announcement that I'm so, so excited about is, um, you know, I've been running this blog for like, oh my God, is it like four years or something now? What is it? 2018. It'll be close to, it's over three years at least. Um, and it takes a lot of my time, but I just love doing it. It's my passion project, but it also is starting to add up cost wise now, just behind the scenes. A few things are, um, you know, cost money. So I'm very excited to announce two sponsors, um, to the Aussie Firebug blog. Um, the first one being Relentless Hosting. Now, Relentless Hosting is the hosting company that I use to host my website. And they are the best, fast and reliable service. Um, I have been with them for a few years now, but at the very start, I bounced around a few uh, hosting providers and I always, you know, something would go wrong or um, I would need uh, customer support and I'd always be, you know, international call center or something like that. So um, it took me a while until I found these guys, but I've never looked back since I've signed up with them. Um, they give fast and reliable service, but more importantly, their customer service is the best in the business. No international call centers or waiting days for a simple query or anything like that. You get lightning fast responses from an Australian-based team to help you in your service. Um, starting a blog was one of the best decisions I ever made, and I'd encourage you and everyone to um, you know, have a go because you never know um, what might come out of it. So head over to aussiefirebug.com slash hosting and check out Relentless Hosting because they're an awesome company to work with. The second um, company that I'm partnering with is Self Wealth. Uh, they are, in my opinion, the best broker in Australia. If you want to buy ETFs, you need to set yourself up with these guys. I switched from Comsec because I was paying $19.50 per trade, whereas at Self Wealth, I pay a rock bottom price of $9.50 no matter what the size of the trade is. Now that I have looked around a fair bit and I, I can't find a lower um, brokerage cost for Australian trading on, on the ASX, then you will get it self wealth. There is really no reason for you not to switch. Um, they're chess sponsored. So you, there's no issues transferring your hint across and there's no issues. You know, you might think self wealth is a newish company. Like what happens if they go bust or something? Because they are chess sponsored, it doesn't matter. They never actually hold your shares. They 
you just do the trades through them. Um, so they're, they're awesome. They got the app and everything in there. Um, web portal is great. Uh, if you want to sign up with them, head over to aussiefirebug.com slash self wealth. And if you use that link to sign up, you'll get five free trades. So there's no really no, if you're in, if you're thinking about buying ETFs, there is no um, reason not to sign up with them. Get your five th- free trades. Um, make a trade and, you know, start investing, start creating that passive income um, to reach fire with. Uh, now that I've got those things out of the way, I want to get onto the episode. But before I do, um, I just want to make sure that everyone is aware that nothing that you hear or that you read on the blog um, in these episodes should be considered financial advice. Um, the the Q&As that I go through are general information only and should not be taken as constituted professional advice. You should always do your own research when making financial decisions. And without further ado, we will get into the Q&A. Our very first question of all time comes from Jake. Hi, mate. I came across your blog during my research on how to adopt and implement the FIRE principle. I thought I might have been the only one in Australia trying to adopt this mythology. A lot of it is US-based. Also, I've tried having awkward discussions with family and friends about this way of life and thinking, and when I mention retiring early, I get the look, followed by, are you losing it? I found your blog to be a fantastic resource for laying down some good foundations. However, my struggle is I have had the light bulb moment a bit later in life than yourself. Um, I'm in my mid-30s with two kids and already own a home. We have a savings rate of 50% and we are smashing down the mortgage, but I'm worried while we are paying it down, I'm missing out on lost time for compounding in index funds. I'm trying to find a starting point and direction for investing, or should I just be happy and pay down the mortgage? Should I look at a couple of positively geared investment properties to speed up the pay down time? Question mark. I do have a tax problem at the moment being in the highest tax bracket and have no deductions even with maxing out my salary sacrifice for super. I only ask for this guidance because with all the materials available and the podcasts I've listened to, it always seems to give you a pathway from a starting point of zero. Not if you're thick like me and realized a bit later down the track having already committed to kids and a mortgage. Look forward to your reply. Regards, Jake. Jake. Um, thank you for the email, mate. Um, a lot to get through. It's funny because I've also had the look, um, many a times and, uh, people, you know, probably thought I was crazy, which I don't, you know, go around telling people about what I'm trying to do, but I will, if someone like prods enough, um, I'll definitely, you know, tell them what, what I'm up to. I had a guy, um, at work actually the other day. Um, I don't even know how we got into the topic. We're just talking about the stock market and I said a few things and he thought it must have thought I must have known my stuff and just like kept asking me, you know, what do I invest in? Why do I invest in that? How much have I got invested? Which was a bit cheeky, but um, I don't really, you know, care telling people. I'll just, I'll happily tell them if they're honestly interested. Um, and I ended up giving him a few um, books and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely. Um, I have got the look though with, with close friends and family for sure. Um, and I, I find it funny with your with your email, you know, I get a few questions from read, readers sometimes, um, such as yourself, thinking they've missed the boat or something uh, because they only found all this stuff out in their 30s. And to be completely honest with you, um, if you're taking an interest in your 30s, you're probably 
that probably puts you ahead of like 90% of Australians because it's so bloody young still. Uh, so you're definitely, it's not like you've missed the boat at all. Um, you know, the first thing that I really noticed about um, your question was you mentioned a 50% savings rate. That is awesome. And as everyone should know, the savings rate is the single most important figure in anyone's race to fire. Um, the question I would ask you is, Is do you know this number is 100% accurate? Like, do you track each transaction? Um, assuming that you track all your transactions and it's still at 50%, this is extremely good and you're in very good shape and you'll be, re- you'll be uh, reaching fire in no time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Second point, uh, you say you're in the highest tax bracket. Uh, so I'm guessing if you're in Australia, that means you earn over $180,000. So um, epic income. Um, I, Without knowing your full circumstances, you know, 50% savings rate and when you earn $180,000 might not be the best. Like you might be able to shave um, a bit more fat off your um, spendings, but, you know, you might have a few things going on. Um, if you want to lower your taxable income, without the hassle of investment properties like it depends what sort of investor you are investments obviously an active investment you're not into the active side of investing um, have a look at fully frank dividends um, Australian companies you know distribute uh, dividends that are fully franked or some of them do um, and also don't fall into the trap of uh, wanting to lower your taxes at the at the expense of negative gearing it never makes sense to spend a dollar to save 45 cents. You have all these people that, you know, want to get into negative gearing to lower the tax they pay, but they end up actually spending more than they save on tax. So it's sort of counterintuitive. Um, <clears throat> you may want to um, just have a quick Google um, about p- potentially setting up a trust for yourself. Um, there's a few advantages like tax advantages with setting up a trust. You, you can, you know, obviously distribute the income, um, that the assets generate within the trust, um, to either yourself or your partner or, you know, a family member or something like that. And if both your partners, uh, both you and your partner are at a really high tax bracket, you can actually distribute it to a bucket company too. Um, and it can sit there and it can be, you know, until you're in a lower, um, taxable income year. Um, it can flow down to you, but there's just all sorts of s- cool stuff, cool accounting stuff that you can do with a trust that you can't do if you invest in your own name. Um, but it's worth a Google. Go research it yourself. Um, speak to um, an accountant to get the complete rundown, but it might be worth looking into. Um, now, you mentioned, you know, uh, do I pay down? Do I continue to pay down the mortgage or do I actually um, invest? Now, this is a timeless debate um, that's, you know, mentioned all the time. Um, what do I do? Do I invest now or do I pay down the mortgage? Historically speaking, you may, I'm never going to say you will because nothing is ever certain, but um, you should get a better return investing in the share market um, after expenses and tax than you will um, having saved money on interest from your home repayments. But it's a lot more riskier, a lot more riskier. You're never going to lose paying down a mortgage. Like I know it's not um, sexy or anything and everyone wants to go down the investing first path, which is what we did. But um, honestly, if you have a mortgage and it depends what where your risk, level, risk levels are and stuff like that, 
and um, you know how much uh, how risk averse you are. But paying down a mortgage is you're always going to win. It's a guaranteed return. Um, but at the end of the day, it does come down to you, and there is really no right answer here. Um, and it really is whatever helps you sleep at night. So it's something that a decision that you're going to have to make yourself. Just do a whole bunch of research. Yes, there is the chance that you um, will probably make more money investing than you will um, save interest versus pay down the mortgage, but just do the research yourself and you've got to be comfortable which, with whatever decision that you make. Um, there is no right answer. So I hope that helps, Jake, and thank you so much again for your question. Our next question comes from Edouard. Yo, man, I keep feeling like buying property. Probably just because of society's pressures. I don't actually want to own a house, but I'd do so if I thought it would be more advantageous than buying shares. I buy and hold VTS, VEU, and VAS. I rent a townhouse in Brisbane with my girlfriend, and my half of the rent is $140 a week. I noticed you own property, but I think you started investing in bricks and mortar before you found index ETFs. If you were to start your journey to fire again today, would you still buy the property or just keep renting and buying shares instead. Also relevant that I may retire overseas to a country with a lower cost of living. Anyway, sorry for asking for this without much of a preamble. I actually really like your writing and that's why I asked. I don't readily take advice from people just because most aren't very switched on. Let me know uh, any of your thoughts, Edward. <clears throat> Thank you for your question, um, Edward. Um, you're definitely right. I bought my investment properties before I discovered the um, index investing approach. Um, and it's funny because right now, well, it's hard to say because right now my properties have done a lot better than my shares. I think my shares, if, if I average um, all the three funds out um, since I bought them, I think it's I think they're running at about a 14% return or 13% return, which is definitely above average. Like you want to be trying to aim for that 8 to 9%, which is, you know, historic average, yada, yada, yada. So um, definitely done better than that. But you never know the true return until um, you sell the house. So I won't know. It's hard to say. Um, uh, so I will leave that to another day. But they've done well for me Um yeah, since I bought them, but we'll see at the very end when I sell. I'll do a big write-up when I sell, but um, yeah, hard to say. Now, to your question about would I, if I was starting from scratch today, which um, where would I go? If I was starting from scratch today with my current mindset, motivation, everything like that, my current age, um, I would go to, I would go down the shares path. I wouldn't go down property. Not because I think shares are better than property, I just don't have the enthusiasm, want the will to um, go down an actively managed investment path. But if I was young, younger, and you know, full of um, uh, enthusiasm and you know, spare time and everything like that, like I was when I did invest in property, um, it's different. And I'm not saying that um, you know one investment class is better than the other i think when when you're retired and you actually want to live off an income stream i think shares are better for that because um it's no secret that uh, you know property yield within australia is um, pretty bad so you're never going to retire for high yield yielding property just because they're so low um that's where the share market can really come in, come in because the dividends are quite high um and you factor in the franking credits as well but 
as far as actually generating um, wealth, I think property can be a very good wealth generator because it's got um, a few attributes that um, shares don't have. If you're someone that has a whole bunch of spare time and is willing to put in the work, I think you can um, supercharge your returns through property in a way that you could never do through shares. If you think about it, that what can you do with when investing with shares? If you put in all the hard work, are you really going to beat the index over a long period of time? There's that famous um, is that famous story of Warren Buffett, um, you know, betting um the managed fund fund guys in the U.S. you know that they couldn't beat the index over a ten year period or something like that. Now he won the bet. It's, you know, it's out now and the bet's finished. But the point of that was, and I think it's very, been very well documented that there's guys that are picking stocks, like they're doing all the hard work, they're looking at all the research, the, you know, every, all their data, their analytics and everything, and they're still getting it wrong or they're still coming under the index when you're factoring in um, their fees and everything like that. So what hope in hell do you or me have that work full-time jobs and, you know, can't dedicate all this time um, to putting in the work required to to pick stocks, um, it's much easier, and majority of the time, it's much more beneficial just to go with a um, index style investment approach, which is why ETFs are so good. Now, with that said, property is a bit different because you can actually put your hard work, expertise, and skills into that investment and actually output a better return. If you're like a trader, you're a builder, um, you're someone just with a lot of spare time and um, you're willing to put in the sweat equity. I'm a believer that um, property can be the right asset class for for someone like you, um, if if you're that way inclined, because you can actually physically add value to the investment. There's no way you can physically add value to a share unless you, I don't know, buy a whole bunch of of the shares products or something like that. It's just it's not the same. So they're different asset classes. If I was to do it again from right now, I would just buy shares. Um, just because I don't have the energy, the time, the the want to put in what is required to booster my um, property's returns. So um, that's a decision that um, you're going to have to make. Do you want to be an active investor or do you want to be a passive investor? I'll probably say there's more opportunity with property, probably more opportunity to get a bigger return. Um, but, you know, that's, that's speculation. So, um, you know, do your own research and figure out what what type of investor that you want to be. Um, <coughs> now, what was the other bit of your question? Uh, oh, I also wanted to mention as well. You know, you're right um, about you know which investment style would I do today? <coughs> oh, excuse me. I think the um, what is probably more important than you know maximizing the best return? I think is actually in just investing in a strategy that you're 100% um, confident in. Now, whether that be, it doesn't matter really what it is. It could be property, it could be shares, it could be um, gold, it could be um, you know bonds, whatever it is, just make sure that you're 110% on board. You know exactly how your strategy works and you're very, very confident. You can go to sleep at night, you know, sleeping soundly with your strategy because that the mental side of the investing is going to be more important to you than um, you know getting a half a percent or an extra percent return because that, that's what's going to matter in a bear market or when the market goes through a downturn and a lot of um, novice investors are panic selling because 
they're reading what's in the newspaper that you know it's all going downhill and they're never they're going to lose all their money and everything you you need to be a hundred percent um confident and well educated on what you're going to do regardless of what it is just whatever you're doing just make sure you know the ins and the outs because when that correction does hit um you don't want to be in a position where you're relying on some other person's strategy that you're you know you don't know exactly how it works but you just heard that they're they're doing well and you're going to do what they're doing you really need to um learn as much as possible and learn the ins and outs and really know how it works with with whatever asset class you go down um, because I, I think that's more important than um, just trying to go um, for the biggest return. So definitely educate yourself as much as possible um, until you reach a point where you can make a confident decision. Um, and I hope that helps and I hope that answers your question. Uh, moving on, uh, Matthew writes, looking at doing an Excel spreadsheet uh, myself for my ETFs in your video, How to Buy ETFs, how is it that your cash invested and total ETF worth are so different when your cash invested should always be more because we pay brokerage? It's And it's like $5,000 difference. I don't know how this is possible. I'm surely missing something. And keep up the videos, mates. Re- video, mate. Regards, Matt. <clears throat> Hi, Matt. Um, this one's an easy one to answer. It's because the ETFs grow over time. So, of course, when you buy the very first, like when you very when you, you, you do the very first trade, you're going to have more cash invested than you are going to have shares on what they're worth because you're paying the brokerage, you're correct. If you bought a whole bunch of shares and it worked out to be $2,000, you'd be paying roughly $2,010 because you got a factor in the brokerage fee. But over time, and we've had our um, share portfolio for nearly two years now, those shares increase in value or you hope that they increase in value. Um, and they also throw off dividends, which by the way, I know the video you're referring to, that spreadsheet doesn't actually factor in dividends. So um, the difference is even more. I think it's like close to $20,000 difference now. So we've invested like 140 grand or something into the market or 130. And right now with dividends and how much the units are worth, we're up to like 150. So it's, it's like over, yeah, 20 grand or just over or something like that. So that's, re- it's really cool. But, um, yeah, it just makes logical sense that the ETFs grow and that's why there's a difference. Um, I hope that makes sense. Um, and our last question for, uh, today comes from Jeffrey. Hi, I'm 18, I'm 18 years old and recently begun investing into ETFs. However, as I was researching, I found it confusing to decide whether ETFs, um, whether to invest in ETFs or your average managed index funds, which one would be better when trying to reach fire. I know you personally go for ETFs, but from research, managed index funds also seems viable. Basically, how do we pick ETFs over index funds? Thanks, mate. Jeffrey. Um, this is a really good question and one that's, you know, constantly asks, uh, all the time. And I get a whole bunch of, um, you know, emails about this one. So basically it boils down to, uh, two things. I buy ETFs over the, um, equivalent managed fund product. And for those, for those who don't know what the difference is, it's the exact same, you're, you're buying the exact same product. Like, so for example, um, Vanguard have, um, an ETF um, on the ASX with the ticker VAS, which is the Australian Top 300. They also offer that same, the exact same bundle of shares 
as a managed manage, um, fund product, but you got to buy though that managed fund through Vanguard directly. So one's traded on the stock market and one's going through Vanguard directly. Now, what is the difference between the two? First of all, and the reason that I go with ETFs is generally the ETF version is cheaper in management fees. Don't ask me. There is a good explanation for why it's cheaper, but I don't know it off the top of my head. It just is. If you go to Vanguard's website, they've got a comparison. You know, here's the ETF management fee and here's the equivalent managed fund management fee. Um, the ETF is just cheaper, straight up. Well, from in my the, the stuff that I invest in, it is. So that's why I buy through the ETF. Now, the biggest um, question you've got to ask yourself is how often and how much are you going to be investing? That's really the, the key here. We invest $5,000 every single month. So we buy one lot of ETFs every single month. So we only invest 12 times a year. Now, are you going to invest that much every single month or even more? Because if you are, you got to work out that you can actually crunch the numbers. If you know roughly how much you're going to invest um, and how frequently, it, there is a you know mathematical answer here. Um, I just don't know how much you're doing. So, um, I buy 5,000 and if I work out the brokerage cost of that 5,000, it's a very um, small percentage of that purchase. Now, with the managed fund, you don't actually pay brokerage. That's a key difference. So, you can be pay into the managed fund as much as you want. So, if you're like the style of investing is $200 every week, you're probably going to be better off investing through the managed fund because you're not going to have to pay brokerage every single time. Whereas, if you're buying $200 worth of ETS every single week, you're going to get killed in brokerage fees. So I wouldn't suggest doing that. So it's something you need to do. You need to crunch the um, the numbers on and see which one works out better for you. But I personally buy ETS because I buy in a big bundle, which means that my brokerage is really, really small um, part of the transaction and ETS have the lower management fee um, versus the equivalent managed fund product. So I hope that answers your question. Um, thank you for submitting. And... That is it. I will see you guys next Friday. Cheers. And that was the very first episode of Ask Firebug Fridays. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did creating it. Um, keep those questions coming. You know, if you've got something on your mind, um, shoot me an email for sure. Uh, just said, head over to aussiefirebug.com uh, slash contact dash me and you can submit your question. Um, let me know what you think. You know, did you like it? Did you not like it? Is there anything else I can do differently? Um, always open for feedback, but um, I hope you did got you guys got something out of it, and I will see you guys next Friday. Peace.